This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. I want you to imagine for just a moment with me that you are on the footpath about to step out into the road in order to cross. You've looked both ways, but you weren't careful. You didn't notice that there is a car barreling down in your direction, quite recklessly driven, coming way too fast. And as you you lean to step out into the street, someone in the crowd behind you notices what you're doing and shouts out, watch out! It, just loud enough for you to hear, for you to be, be uh, caught up by surprise and to pull back. And your life is saved. I reckon you would have a great sense of gratitude for that individual who saw what you were unable to see in that moment and who spoke to you a saving word. In the text of scripture that we're going to read and reflect on today, Jesus does something very similar. He speaks to a young man who comes and asks him for some help in family affairs, but he's speaking to all of us. And he sees us in danger in this world where there is such reckless practice around money, around issues of how we manage and mismanage all the resources that we are so graciously given by God. And he says, watch out, beware of every kind of greed. Listen to this passage of scripture and listen to Jesus' shout out of caution and care as we hear what the Spirit has to say to our souls. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you've plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your your life will be demanded from you and who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, 
by worrying can add a single hour to your life. Since you can't even do this little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, in those wonderful words of Jesus, we have an invitation to think differently about our resources, about our wealth, about money, and to be attentive to some of the dangers that we might not have noticed in the world in which we live. The fact of the matter is there is all kinds of recklessness when it comes to financial resources, to wealth and possessions, recklessness that can capture our own souls. Sometimes we're the driver that's driving recklessly and about to do damage, we don't even notice it. Sometimes we are the pedestrians and Things are happening around us and to us because of other people's choices, and it can be so destructive. And Jesus stands in the midst of all of this, and he shouts out to every one of us some life-giving wisdom. He says we need to watch out for the cankerous reality of greed that can grip our souls and that can misguide our choices and that can cause so much difficulty. I'm so grateful for this parable in the scriptures and for these words of Jesus, which have been a tremendous help in my life and a tremendous help in the life of so many believers. And I know that these words will be a help and a gift of life to you today as you hear what Jesus is saying. And as together, we, we all fold this wisdom into our lives. He tells a story about a rich fool a man who finds himself suddenly and extraordinarily blessed. And he has a conversation with himself and he decides, I'm going to take all of this money, I'm going to store it up, all of this grain, all of this provision, I'm going to tear down my existing barns, build some big new ones, and that will set me up for security and merriment into the future. I'm going to relax and enjoy that prospect of security. And he dies the very night that he makes these plans, his life is demanded of him and he finds himself uh, judged and he finds his wealth being redistributed. And in this parable, we have some insight. You might not see it at first. You might be standing on the edge of the road about to step into some of these same things, but Jesus is giving us a shout of, of care and a, a call to redress some things in our lives. 
I want you to uh, think with me about two prayers that we can pray to help us watch out for and be, be wary of all kinds of greed in our, in, in our lives. And the first of those prayers is, is a prayer about, about wealth itself. I want you to just imagine that you're like that fellow in the parable and that you've got all of your wealth assembled. In an imaginary way, put it all in a big pile in front of you and ask yourself the same question that he's asking himself. What am I gonna do with all this? But, but ask it in this way. Make it a prayer and ask God in this simple way, Lord, what is all of this for? What is all of this resource that has been entrusted to me for? What is this wealth and, 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 and this money and these opportunities? What is it for? This is a prayer that is not prayed often enough. Lord God, help me to see my mission. Help me to discern the ways in which I can be purposeful and, and live life and steward resources purposefully and for your glory. What is all this for? Now, the knee-jerk response to that question you know, is, well, it's for me, or maybe for me and my family, and for our security and for our future merriment. But that's exactly the wrong answer. That's the answer that can drive our lives down a path of self-destruction and, and brokenness and hurt. That's the thing that Jesus is shouting out and saying, watch out, watch out. Get your wealth in front of you imaginatively and pray and ask God to show you who is it for. So the fellow in our parable, he looked at his wealth and he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to build some new barns. I'm going to store this and it will give future security. And this attitude of his is actually condemned in the parable. But what I want you to notice is that his strategy is not a bad strategy. There's actually another individual in the Bible in the Old Testament who had a very similar moment. There was enormous wealth and abundance, and he decided that the best strategy was to build some large barns and to store all of that wealth for future security. His name is Joseph. He was called up to interpret the king's dream. He discovered that there would be seasons of plenty followed by seasons of drought and great want and need in the land. And so this is what Joseph proposed. We should build some big barns, tear down the ones we have, build bigger barns, and we can fill them up with grain. And then when the famine comes, we'll have security, we'll have a confidence of, of future well-being, and things will be right. Do you see the parallel? The rich fool is not a fool because of his plans for uh, securing the future. He's a fool because he's not thinking about who is this wealth for. He's not thinking about anybody else but himself. He's not thinking about his mission. He's not thinking about his calling. He's not thinking about his purpose. When Joseph makes these plans, let's tear down the barns, build bigger ones, fill them up with grain, he is serving a whole nation and nations of nations. His brothers sent him in, into slavery. You can read the stories at the end of the book of Genesis. And it was a terrible circumstance for him personally in his life. But at the end, he says, God used all of this for the saving of many people. Joseph had his heart set on serving God. And he had his, his life choices set on serving others. And he was in a position where he could, he could take this wealth of a nation and distribute it to serve the well-being of many people and to touch other nations. 
What an amazing uh, life experience Joseph had because he stood at the place where he could live out God's mission, God's call upon his life. That's the question to ask, who's this for? And if, if you have resources and you think it's for yourself, that mentality will destroy you. Now, who am I talking to? Uh, you know, who has a pile of wealth? Well, if you have money in your pocket right now, I'm talking to you. If, you. if you've done a tax return in the last 10 years, I'm talking to you. All of us who have resources for which we are accountable need to pray this prayer and we will find a, a, a wonderful opportunity in it. God, who is this for? Because as you start to think about your resources and opportunities, your power and your wealth as, as something to be spent in God's mission, it will change the whole attitude that you bring to your living and to your experience. Now, this is something you need to experience. I can tell you about it. I can tell you with great confidence that if you will make some generosity choices, it will increase your happiness in life. I can tell you with great confidence that if you will try to discern, who can I help with my money? Not just me, but where is there need that I could actually answer that need? Where is there opportunity in the mission of God that I could actually serve? How could I serve my church and grow the mission of Jesus around me? If you would ask that question and answer it, you will find joy that you didn't know possible. But you need to experience this, not just hear me talk about it. The Bible actually invites us to do experiments with our money and to see just how faithful God is and how incredible this path of generosity is. He actually invites us to test him and see if in fact he is as continuingly generous and as, as caring for the poor and as conscious of our own needs as he says he is. So I would ask you to go ahead and test. Is this a season in which you need to be more generous than you've ever been before? So many people hurting, so many challenges around us and so much uncertainty. The uncertainty will drive us to act like the rich fool. But the mission of Jesus drives us to act in completely the opposite way, like Joseph, to take the opportunity and to set it up to serve many people in times of want and uncertainty in the future. This is a season for you to, to give more to the ministries of the church than you've ever given before, to find a mission partner and to invest heavily, to seek out an opportunity of growth of God's kingdom and to invest. So here's a prayer that will save you from the reckless realities of, of greed that are everywhere in our world. Lord, who is it for? Show me how to steward it and spend it. Lord, show me how to be on mission with you and engage all of these resources that you have put here in front of me to serve your kingdom. Notice the rich man, the fool in this story never asks such a question. Here's the second prayer to pray. Lord, heal my soul. God, make me secure in my inner places, steady my life, and don't, don't let me get caught up in wealth and, 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 and all kind of, kind of worrying about it. Lord, heal my soul. How do you know how, how well your soul is? How do you know the condition of your soul? Well, a pretty easy litmus test is to listen to your inward dialogue, to listen to what's going on in the inner places of your own reflections. And a really interesting observation about this rich fool there's only himself in the conversation. Did you notice in the words that Jesus shares? He says to himself, I think I'll build barns. 
And then he says to himself, when I build those barns, I'm going to have a lot of resource and security and I'm going to put my feet up and celebrate the future and it'll be a merry time. He never talks to God in the quiet of his soul and he never consults with any other human being, nor does he draw any other person's need or story or circumstance into his personal reflection. His soul is thin and selfish, and this gets him into such difficulties. Because when your soul is so thin, and when the inward conversations never engage God, never engage others, and never press into the needs of the world, what you will be inclined to do is to worry. You will be inclined to think about your future security. You will be inclined to try to build some nest of comfort or some, some stake of security into the future. And that's where this man's heart is. It's where his head is. It's where his soul is. And it is so very damaging. Because he is stuck in this place, he cannot see the obvious fact that his life is not his own. He's filling the bank account with all kinds of resources for future security. And suddenly God comes to him and says, I'm about to make a massive withdrawal. I'm demanding your life tonight. And so the, 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 the equation that he's been setting up for his future is toppled in one instant. He hasn't been thinking about God. He hasn't been thinking about others. He hasn't actually been thinking about the future. And so what ends up happening is that there's this great big pile of money that doesn't belong to anybody. There's no, there's no inheritance plan. And he's created a problem for the future. That's the same problem as the man who came to him originally and said, Jesus, would you help me get my brother to, you know, to divvy up the inheritance? Get him to be fair. And Jesus says, I'm not even going to go there because you shouldn't be there in the first place. You shouldn't be buying into the greed and this trap you shouldn't be letting your soul worry and wade into these issues. But do you see how the man, not actually asking and praying, God, who's this for? Not living out his mission has actually created a problem for the next generation. Don't leave a problem for the next generation. Don't fail in your mission because your soul is so worried that you hoard it up and you stack it up and you collect something hoping, well, this will give me security. And then you die and you create a big problem for the next generation. What we're called to do is to take the resources and live on mission with all that God has given us and then to pray, God, heal my soul, secure my soul. Make me safe, not because there's a pile of money here, but make me safe because I know your love and I know your peace and I live in a security that comes from heaven and then start to, start to live your mission. Start to spend it, steward it, move it on in the purposes of God. And you will be, says Jesus, actually building up a bank account in heaven, treasures in heaven, he says. And you will be, you will be setting your soul up to live with the kind of security that ravens and wildflowers seem to know. Jesus gives this beautiful picture as he's giving this teaching to this young man who's worried about money and inheritances and his own soul. And Jesus says, it's possible to live in a way that security questions are answered without financial resources. They're answered because we know the love of God and we know that God has our back 
and we know the future trajectory. This is a beautiful, beautiful way to live. You can end up dressed more radiantly than Solomon in all his finest. You can, re- you, you, can, you, you can actually posture your life with more joy toward others, more quiet and calm in your family, more confidence and blessing toward others than the wildflowers of the fields. This way of living, how, how do you do this? Well, you seek the kingdom of God first. You don't seek the pile of wealth. You seek the mission. And then you ask God to heal your soul and to secure your soul and to come into your life and to give you this posture of beautiful peace and wonderful resolve. This is a kingdom way of living. It is not a commonplace way of living. So many are busy trying to build up the security and trying to think of the ways to make themselves safe that they rush around on the roads of life like blind and reckless drivers, hurting themselves and hurting each other. And it's in the mess and the mayhem of so much greed that drives so much action that Jesus stands and says, watch out. Beware of all kinds of greed. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. Those possessions are meant to be a blessing to others. As God blesses us, we bless others. That is the kingdom way. And there's nothing wrong with building a barn so that the next uh, community and those in great need can be saved and served. It's exactly what Joseph did. So accumulate wealth to serve God's kingdom, absolutely. Lean in and engage your mission fully. But it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our security. Lord God, heal my soul. Make it secure in your love. Let me see peace and deep, deep hope and eternal promise. Let me see a trajectory of my life in your presence for all time so that I can divest myself of all this wealth for the sake of your kingdom and travel so well, so well in this life. Jesus gives us this warning and it is a gift to us. And I pray that we can hear his words and lean back as we might have standing there on the edge of a busy street with with deathly traffic about to destroy us. Lean back and pray two simple prayers. Lord, what is all of this for? Lord, all this wealth, all this opportunity, I live in the West with so much privilege. I, 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 I have money in my pocket. I, I'm, I'm able to buy my next meal. Lord, what is all this for? Show me my mission. Show me my calling. Show me the, the needs of others around me and help me to be on mission for you. It will change your life trajectory. It will bless you deeper than you could imagine. Become generous. Make a, cha- a plan. Start to give money away and it will it will. It will enlighten something exciting and and joy-filled in your life. And and this second prayer, Lord, heal my soul. Don't let my security be tied to what I have or the circumstances of the day. God, secure my eternity. Lord, fill my soul up, not with a selfish conversation and a fearful conversation, but fill it up with intimate communion with you, with the love and, and companionship of others. Lord, fill my soul to overflowing with your peace and with your grace, so that I can live in your care with all the beauty of the wildflowers and all the confidence of the birds of the air, gathered up in your love, seeking first your kingdom, knowing that everything else follows. New Hope, we are called to be a church 
that has a great treasure in heavenly places because we have learned to live in the kingdom. We know what our wealth is for and we know how our souls can be healed in God's grace. Watch out. Let's live well in this age of great danger, using all of our resources to serve God's wonderful mission.